Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. When we first planted Branches, let's face it, we don't need another church. There's lots of amazing churches. So why? Um, Partially, I didn't quite get it. The Lord was just kind of putting on my heart. And I was like, "Uh." I mean, the whole idea of being a pastor literally made me sick to my stomach. I didn't grow up in the church. And then I saw these pastors. And then I started um, having this, you know, Christ got a hold of my heart. And then I started working with teenagers. And then I started seeing the church. And then I started seeing professional ministers. And I was like, I don't want to be that guy. And, but when the Lord calls you, you just don't mess around. You're like, all right, I'll, I trust you even if it sounds crazy to me. Um, but as we got involved in what he was calling us into, it became clear what he was calling us into was to plant a community of faith for those who didn't have a faith. In their mind, they had no faith at all. And this idea, this vision of being a community where you'd have people that um, had probably too much faith with people that probably felt like they had too little faith and have them together in the same place, sharpening each other. One of the things you need to know about us is this is an example of, of what we want for our adults. It's the same that we want for our kids. So with our kids and our youth, we, we tell our staff and our leaders, look, we don't want you to try to just give them answers. We don't want you to tell them, oh, this is what you're supposed to believe, this, 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 and this. We want to teach them to ask questions. And that's the same here. We want to ask those questions because we trust that God will reveal himself. That we don't need to talk people into it. We don't need to try to persuade. We don't need to do all of these things. Let God be who he is and let him present himself the way he truly is. Not the way we want him to be, not the way we've been told, but to walk and let God reveal himself. And part of that is asking those questions. So, for example, if you have kids, you're like, well, I bring them to church so that they can tell them. We're not going to tell them what to believe. We're going to share what we've seen. We're going to share what the Bible teaches. And we're going to teach them how to ask questions. The same thing I do with my own kids. We've shared this a few times. Uh, One of my kids said, so are we Christians? You know, like, it's something you're just given, like a title, like your last name. Like, our last name is Rose. So are we Rose Christians? Is that who we are? And it's like, well, you have to figure that out for yourself. You have to learn how to ask these questions you have to, you're not just going to believe because we believe. That's not the way it works. But your mom and I, we fully trust. And right then when I said fully trust, that's what we're going to get into this morning. Because when I say fully trust, to say I don't have doubts would be an absolute lie. And a lot of us are afraid to have doubts or to admit that we have doubts. As if everything is going to fall apart. So who here has ever struggled with doubt in that there is a God and there is a son of God named Jesus? Anyone ever struggle with that? Okay. That's normal. Now, for those, if I were to say, hey, raise your hand if you don't believe any of this, there'd be some people that raise their hands. And if I said, hey, some of you who believe completely and have no doubts, raise your hands. I'm not going to ask those last two because I would say for those last two, you're not healthy. Now, you don't want to hear that, do you? <laughs> because 
when you are so sure of something, you're probably afraid. Um, I remember when I first came to faith, and I was like, yeah, and then I started going, what if this is all wrong? So then you start to build these walls around you so that there's no way that you can doubt, because if you doubt, maybe you're going to all fall apart, or maybe everything's going to crumble. But that's the beauty is that God, if he's God, will walk with you through this. And there's no reason for us to have to be afraid of our insecurities, our faith insecurities. I love the way that Tim Keller says it, who's this brilliant man. He's the kind of guy when you hear him talk, you kind of get lost because he just starts talking with words and syllables that you just have never heard before. Um, Philosophical scholar, understands the Bible, understands the world. Um, But what he says that's really helped me in terms to put this in a framework is he says that doubt in the life of a believer is like antibodies in our body. You need those. It's this balance. It's what keeps us healthy. So we take those doubts and we ask those questions. Some things you're going to get answers to. And some things, it's going to stay a mystery. But I want to encourage us because as I, it, it, the reason I chose to talk about this this morning, because it wasn't my plan, I just had this sense as, as a pastor here that we have this insecurity about our faith. Like we're supposed to believe more. I'm supposed to have more faith than I do. And there's this general sense of insecurity instead of realizing you have enough. You have, I mean, you're here. The fact that you would even be here this morning means you have enough faith. Because if you thought this was a complete hogwash, complete, 100%, why would you even come? I mean, the free donuts? Although I do have a good friend that said, I did. <laughs> my kids were talking to him on one of our sports teams, and uh, they were, he was driving them to one of the events, and uh, one of my kids said, yeah, we got donuts and coffee. He's like, donuts? <laughs> Literally. He's like, really, you got donuts? Oh, I'm fully coming. And he, then he came to me. He goes, do you guys really have donuts? And I went, seriously, is that all it took was donuts? <laughs> so I didn't know. I didn't know church could be like that. I go, oh, we got more donuts. What do you, we got bagels. We got coffee. So, but one thing about our faith and our insecurities, too, is that we say, well, if I had more of faith, then I could do this. But, so I'll wait until I have enough um, or I'm flawed because my faith is so small. There must be some kind of punishment, or there's something keeping me from the Lord, or there's something because I don't know him as well as I want to, so something must be wrong. Whoa, the Eshes are here. See, I didn't want to tell everybody you had a baby because I didn't want to put all that pressure on you guys and people start showing up at your house knocking on the door, but the Eshes just had a baby and they're already here at church. Where's the baby? Here. Okay, so no one's allowed to breathe near the Eshelmans. Okay. Sorry for that side thing, but I was really shocked when I looked down the aisle and there's the ashes. Um, and so this is the core of what I want us to hear this morning. Because this, this is why I changed everything to share this this morning. Because it's what I needed to hear a while ago, and um, I want you to hear it. Is that you have enough faith. And don't be waiting for some magical, supernatural thing to happen. As if there's this expectation, well, this is all I have, so it's not enough. Because... Your expectation or your comparison against what you th- where you think other people are is they're over here. I mean, I hope by you hearing your pastor say, hey, I get doubts too, both hands. 
that that might make, make you settle in and instead of worrying about where you're at, just worry about what you already have. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at um, one part of Scripture where Jesus addresses faith. And there's a few places where he addresses it, and, and I love the analogy he gives. He compares it to a mustard seed. Let's face it, none of us really know what a mustard seed is. So what we're going to do is look at that passage, because especially in Matthew, the book of Matthew was written to the Jews, and they knew what a mustard plant was. They knew all about that. And so, um, but we're going to take some steps back and look at it new. So we're going to start here. Um, I want to read from Matthew 13, 31 through 32. Uh, He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and he sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, this passage is shared in in three different places. And the other place it's shared at is Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And that's the one I'm going to go verse by verse in. So with what can we compare? And that word is key. Because part of our faith, too, is that we compare our faith with what we think other people's faith is. You can't do that. What Jesus is doing here is he's talking about the kingdom of God. When you say the kingdom, that word kingdom is is basileia, and it means um, where there is rule and reign. So what's it like when God rules and reigns? What's that world like? What's that kingdom like? When we talk about the kingdom of God being here on earth now, and that's what Jesus said, when the kingdom of God is here on earth now, it means that there is a kingdom, there's a group of people where he rules and he reigns. So what is that like? Now, in these kingdoms in the Old Testament, there's all these descriptions of what different kingdoms are like. So, for example, in the book of Daniel, it talks about Babylon. And the way they describe Babylon is they compare it to the cedars of Lebanon. Now, this is a picture of a cedar of Lebanon. So if you're going to compare a kingdom and you want to show its impressiveness, you show a tree like that. Like these just huge, massive trees with large trunks and amazing roots, and they all kind of grow up next to each other. And when you walk around these, they're just, they're impressive. And that was used to describe um, Babylon. And in another place in the Old Testament, they use this exact same imagery um, with Assyria in Ezekiel. That's how they describe this, this kingdom. And Assyria, just like Babylon, they were gnarly. They were the Romans, they were the, they were the, the G5 of, of their time. They were in control. They had an empire. So if you're going to describe that empire and you were to choose some kind of thing in nature, some kind of plant, what would, you'd use the cedar of Lebanon. Even Israel later in Ezekiel is described in the same way like the cedars of Lebanon. So when Jesus is describing the kingdom of God, I mean, if those empires, if those communities were described that way, how is he going to describe the kingdom of God? It's going to be pretty impressive, isn't it? Ready? This is how he described it. Like a mustard seed. When it's planted, produces, can you show him this picture? There it is. That's a shrub. It's a bush. In fact, it's a weed. That's a big one. Normally, you see it's just kind of this high, and it's, it's around. 
So all of the people there that are hearing this are like, really? That's where you're going to go with this? Because he's saying, how can I describe it? How can I paint the picture? How can I compare the kingdom of God? He said it's like a mustard seed. And when it's planted, really? Can we go back um, to Mark 4 and let's go to 31? So he says that the faith, the kingdom of God, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Now, when he says it's the smallest, it's not the smallest. It's like when you say, look, you have a pea brain. Like, that's not the smallest thing you could choose, is it? But it's an idiom that we use, you know, it's small as a pea. Well, we can think of things smaller, right? Why don't, you, why don't we go with electron? Why don't we go with a grain of sand? So this is an idiom they use, you know, so small like a mustard seed. And so this seed is actually small. I'll show you a picture of what a, a, a mustard seed looks like. That's the size of a mustard seed. Okay, so we'll go back to the verse just so you have a kind of a context. That's a normal-sized finger. Um, it's not a really small one. It's not a huge one. That's just a normal finger. So it's like a grain of mustard seed. So when he's describing our faith, he says it's like a mustard seed. Now, he doesn't say your faith. He doesn't say some people's faith. He says our faith. And I think that's really appropriate for us to hear because he lumps us all together. And when he lumps us all together, he describes our faith like a mustard seed. I don't know what that does for you, but that just puts me at ease. That puts me at ease going, okay, so I'm normal then because I think I'm supposed to have more. I think I'm supposed to see more. It's almost like you're, I'm imagining that there's other people when they come into their kitchen early in the morning, of course, they get up really early because they, they have so much faith and trust that they wake up early and they come down and there's already two cups of coffee there because Jesus has already set it up for them. Um, he's, he's done a French press for them, done it just the way they want, and they just sit together and talk face to face. And they go through the day and Jesus tells them what the day is going to look like. And this is coming up at around one o'clock. Be ready for that. And then at three o'clock, this is going to happen. And then we'll hang out tonight and um, we'll hang out for dinner. But you, you're cooking tonight. Like there's this understanding, this, this false idea when I compare my faith with others that there's somewhere that I'm not, that my faith isn't enough. And yet Jesus says, look, how would I describe the kingdom of God where God rules and reigns? It's where the people have faith, but it's the size of a mustard seed. And everyone there hears that. Well, what about the cypress? Isn't it supposed to be like this? Because that's what we do. We're, we're all about measurement. We're all about size. We're all about volume and height and width and depth. And it's got to be more. But we have enough. So much so that Jesus wants to keep coming back to that to remind us, look, you, it, it, in this kingdom, faith, this kingdom of God, it's, it, it starts at the size of a mustard seed. And it's not our job to make that grow. In fact, when we talk about faith, it's described as a noun, not a verb. I mean, it's something that's given to you. God is the one that provides the faith to you. It's not your job to go earn it or to do something special to get it. It's a gift. It's a grace that's given to us. That's what the word grace means. It means receiving something that you didn't earn. Verse 32, so this, this grain of wheat, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now, 
So the Jewish people, when they hear about this mustard seed, he talks about planting it. There was a rule in the Talmud and in the Torah that said, do not plant mustard seeds near gardens at all because they take over. And you saw the picture of it, right? Like it's crazy. Well, that's just out in the middle of nowhere. Well, when, when you look at the gardens and you look at the Jewish people, in general, there's a rule of separation. That's what the word holy means, separate. So when they talk about their people being holy and God being holy means separate, meaning different. And so when you look at the gardens of the Jewish people, they're super organized. I mean, the tomato plants, they go here. They don't interact with the tomato plant next to it. Um, you've got your lettuce. It's in a nice, pretty row. You drop in a mustard seed, just a little tiny mustard seed. You drop it in, it's game over. Um, if you've ever had bamboo, if you've ever had, oh, I think it'd be cool to plant bamboo. Not so cool, because it takes over. Um, uh, my, my wife wanted mint for cooking and drinks and all these things. And I'm like, oh, I'll plant some mint. Didn't understand what mint would do. It takes over. It took me like two years to get rid of the mint. It just started popping up everywhere in our yard, through the garden, through all the other. I'm like, whoa. And I, here's the roundup. Boom, boom, boom. I'm all over it trying to kill every bit of mint I can find. When you plant a mustard seed, it takes over. It's a weed. And that's what Jesus uses to describe the kingdom of God, how he describes our faith. It starts as a mustard seed, but when you plant it, boom, it's game on. It's going to go. This, this passage, when I thought about it, and I already planned on teaching it um, this Sunday, but when I, when I thought about what does it mean to know God, what does it mean to have faith or to have trust, uh, we, right after I decided that, then we had our, our life group that Sunday night, and uh, Josh actually asked this question. He was leading that night, and he said, so what is it that you do, or where, what is it to help you to know God, to be connected with God? Which is what we're talking about today, right? I need to be more connected. I need to have more knowledge, or I need to know him more intimately, and I don't, and what's wrong with me? Because everybody else, and... Um, it was one of the mo those times where, you know, sometimes you're in a group and you talk too much, and then there's groups where you don't talk at all. It was one of those times where I just didn't say very much, and so someone noticed that, and they're like, so what, you're not going to say anything? And so they asked me, so what do you, where, when have you been closest or most connected, or what is it that you do? And I didn't really have a good answer for that, um, but I, I know when I've been closest was when I was least in control, and I knew it. Um, when I was in the hospital, there was a, I've, I've shared it ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go through too many of the details, but there was a, there was, I, I couldn't do anything. Literally, I was just sitting there, and, you know, everything had to be done for me, from food to wiping me to dressing me to um, oxygen had to be given to me. And as I was in that moment, that was the least in control, and that was the moment that I was most at peace. You think, you would think, I would have thought, that would be the moment when I was most stressed or felt most distant from God or felt, what did I do wrong to get this? But it's when I felt the closest to God. And even then, I wanted more. Even then, I could say, well, this is enough. I want more. But it was the time at the most 
And it, 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 I was completely surrounded, and it felt like I was in his arms. And yet the thing I'm realizing about the Lord is, is, is when, you, when you know him and you're near him, you're going to always want more. But you're never going to get enough of him because we can't handle it. And I don't know why he presents him this way, this way and not that way and why he wouldn't, because I have a pretty good idea how I think he should do it. But I can say this, is that because you feel that your faith is small, then you're just where you need to be. And that is meant to be planted. Yet when it is sown, which means when you live in that faith, and we don't come up with excuses or wait for more, but just take that little bit of faith and just plant it. Live in what you have. Instead of expecting more, then you're going to see life grow out of that. Maybe it's your life that's going to get larger. And then out of that life, then you know what those birds do? The birds of the air, they can make nests in its shade. Why are the birds there? Because, because this bush has all of these seeds that started from one seed, and now it's filled with seeds. And all those seeds are going to get knocked on the ground. And this is where it gets a little gross. Those birds are going to go down, and they're going to eat those seeds. And then those birds are going to go somewhere, and they're going to poop it out. And then it's going to be planted there also. Did you ever think that your little bit of faith could be multiplied beyond your wildest dreams? I'm sitting there in this hospital bed with this little bit of faith, but seeing God near me and not knowing that outside of the hospital room, all over in this church, all over social media, all over the world, other people are growing in their faith because I'm least in control. And this little bit of faith, this little mustard seed that I had was multiplied and continues to be multiplied. Who knows how far it goes? That is you. That's not reserved for the special people. It's for all of us. That's why when Jesus described the kingdom of God where he rules and reigns, he said, you, all of you, you're gonna have faith, but it's gonna be the size of a mustard seed, but it's enough. Can you imagine in this community, if we all lived out of that and trusted that it was enough, that that mustard seed of faith, the little bit of trust that you have, if you lived in it and stop making excuses for it and stop avoiding things because you're like, well, I don't have enough, and instead say, no, this is enough. God will give me what's enough, and this is what I have, and so I'm gonna live out of the little bit that he's given me, and let's see what he can do. If I abide in Christ and he and I, then I will bear much fruit, but apart from him, I can't do anything. Watch what he can do. If that's the only thing you get out of this morning, get that, that it's enough, and that he wants you to live out of that little bit of faith. You don't need to pretend like you have more. You don't need to walk around and say, hey, I believe a lot. Be honest with yourself. When the guys came up and I said, hey, when, when Josh asks you the question, just give him the truth. Don't feel like you're supposed to answer a certain way. You know, like kids, when you pull them up and you ask them a question, so what's the answer to this question? If you're in church and you hand them a mic and they don't know the answer, they're like, uh, uh, Jesus? Because that's the answer you're supposed to say, right? Like, I need to say the right thing. You don't have to say the right thing. Say the truth and live out of that. And we need to live that faith out publicly, whatever faith you have. And when you have doubts, don't lie about it. And if someone else has doubts, don't try to fix it for them. Listen to their doubts because it might help your faith. Be honest. Let's have that kind of dialogue, not just here, but with people we work with and with family. And let's be honest and let God be who he is and let him reveal himself. And whatever he chooses to reveal, it's enough. It's enough.
I want to invite the, the worship team up. And um, this time, if you guys could stand with me, this time that we, uh, that we set aside after whoever's sharing the message, it's a time of response, which means it's a time to pray. It's a time, so these songs are really prayers that are put to, to music. And so these prayers that are put to music, participate however you want. Um, some of you are like, I don't really want to sing. Some of you want to sing, but you're like, I don't know, someone else isn't singing. Am I supposed to sing if they're not singing? Again, it's that word compare. Be who you are. Be honest with yourself. And during this time of reflection and prayer, like we talk about these connection cards, we give them some official name. That's a time for you to say what you need prayer for. That's a time for you to share with your community, hey, this is, this is where I'm at. I mean, the Hutchinson said, hey, we're going on this, this tour. We're, we're pretty freaked out about it. Could, could you pray for us? What is it that you want prayer for? Um, who is it in your life that you want to ask prayer for? Write that down. And then out here during this worship time, uh, we always want to set it free for you to come and to be prayed over for whatever reason. Um, so you can go out the back if you want to be sneaky about it. If you're like, I, need, I know I'm supposed to walk right up front so everybody can see me go out there for prayer, do that. Um, if you want to pretend that you're going to the bathroom, wherever you're at. Um, the offering's going to come through, and it's for, for people that have asked, hey, can you pass it around because it's more convenient for us? I don't even go online. I don't even know how that works. Um, and if you're visiting, there's never an expectation to do anything. Be who you are. 